0: getting in line with Jesus, getting in line with Jesus. Oh, well, my favorite times at school were the recesses. I went to school so I could go to recess. Recess was a wild time when I was a kid. Some were over on the swings, some were on the monkey bars. Some were just running wild, and I was one of those. Some were just playing tag. Yelling and screaming and chasing and hollering. I was one of those. But inevitably, something happened at the end of recess. This whistle would be blown. Shrill, harsh to my ears. I didn't want to listen. So I would keep running and chasing and screaming and shouting. Oh, did somebody blow a whistle? Raymond, line up. Do I have to? Raymond, line up. This is the last time I'm going to tell you. Inevitably, they got me in that line. And I knew once I was in that line, I was a dead duck. I knew what it meant. It meant I had to march following that one ahead of me. And I had to go all the way inside. And I had to sit down at this hard desk. And I had the clock right up there on the wall. And so I'd be copying my words and I'd be looking at the clock. I'd be doing my math and I'd be looking at the clock. The only time I forgot about the clock was when I was reading. It'd give me anything and I'd dive into it and I'd read it. But all oh, the math. And then the, t- the teacher said, Raymond, if you don't learn your times tables, you can't go out to recess. Well, now that is a death penalty. But of course, because I was stubborn, I said, okay, you're going to put it that way. I'm not going to learn them. I'll sit in here until I die and I won't learn those times tables. finally, the teacher gave up because if I was in there, she had to be in there. (laughs) Okay, Raymond, get out of here. And my feet scampered off to recess. I was not an easy young man. And the Lord comes and he blows his whistle. And he says, get in line. And we say, Do I have to? I'm not going to do it. I'm having too much fun. I like to yell and scream and run and shout. Raymond, this is the last call. Get in line. Are you in line with God tonight? Or are you on your wild resource, recess, yelling and screaming and shouting? Or are you in line with God tonight? Are you marching to Zion? I can guarantee you in Zion, you're not going to have a hard desk to sit at. You're going to have streets of gold to walk on. And isn't that an offense? I can't think of anything more offensive than gold streets. Do you understand why? I have to work so hard for gold here, and there it's not worth anything. Everything I've worked for is worth nothing there. You know, it cost me my right and left arm to get my sweetheart a string of pearls. They're valuable here. There they're used for city gates. (laughs) Raw construction material. Oh, I tell you, on the other side, it's going to be very different than here. And I'll guarantee you over there, you're not going to be looking up at the clock and wishing you were back out at the wild recess. No, no, there you're going to be exploring universes. You're going to be creating things. You're going to be testifying as an ambassador of God to universes unknown about the glories of Jesus who died on Calvary's tree and how he took me and transformed me from a dirty little kid in the playpen. into a man of honor who can stand before them and say, it was all Jesus, and take my crown off, my insignia of authority, and cast it on the ground and say, it is nothing to me except Jesus. You ready to get in line with God? Recess is over. It's called entering into rest you would think it would be entering into work. That's what they meant when in school they said, line up. They they meant it's time now to go to work. But with Jesus, when it's time to line up, it's time to rest. To stop working for what has no value. To stop treasuring the things of the world that are useless that have nothing to offer us. Now, I want to read a scripture for you that is absolutely one of the most disturbing scriptures in all of the Bible. It is incredibly offensive. I've read it many times and been offended by it more every time I read it. Until today, when I was reading it again, it was so offensive, I had to plead the blood of Jesus over me. It's found in John, the 6th chapter, verse 63. Jesus has just said, does this offend you? And he's talking about the blood and the body and its real food. Oh, he should have waited to ask that question until after he makes this statement. Verse 63, the spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. What? The flesh counts for nothing. Without my flesh, I am dead. Do you understand what happens if I lay down in my bed tonight and my heart gives way? My flesh stops functioning. I'm dead. And now you're going to tell me the flesh counts for nothing? The flesh is all that supports me, thank you very much. Without my flesh, I'm a goner. Without my flesh, I can't do anything of value. Without my flesh, how do I go to... You want to show up at work tomorrow without your flesh? You know what they'll call you? A ghost. You want to show up at work tomorrow without your... You want to go to the mall tomorrow without your clothes? Without your flesh? Jesus is saying, your flesh doesn't count for anything. So everything that I have depended on my whole life, now Jesus is saying, no, it doesn't count. It has no value. How do you begin to deal with that? I mean, do you know how much time I spend every day washing and, and dressing this body? And my wife saying as I'm going out to, Ray, your hair looks really wild. You better let me get some spit on it. <laughs> hey, that's the body. That's the flesh, right? I mean, without our flesh, what are we going to be? And Jesus comes and says, your flesh isn't worth anything. The very foundation of my life, Jesus says, is without value. It is nothing. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit, and they are life. Is it any wonder that many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him? Because if my flesh is worth nothing, then the work that I'm doing in the world is worth nothing. I mean, don't we work to earn money to take care of our flesh? We live in it. It houses us. Jesus is saying your flesh doesn't count. He's saying my words count because my words are more real than the body you live in. Now, when we begin to get in line with God, our whole value system has to transition so that no longer do we place value on the flesh, but instead we place our value on the spirit. That's a transition. He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and my righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. What things are going to be given? The things that take care of this flesh that count for nothing. Does that change priorities in a person's heart? That's why we're continually saying in this fellowship, when you go to work, you're not going to work to take care of your flesh. You're going to work to seek first the kingdom of God in that place for the people who are around you to bring them into a place of understanding about their condition before God so that they can repent repent and walk into righteousness and into the spirit of the living God so they won't go to hell. So they can be born again of the spirit. It'd be interesting to take an inventory of your day. I invite you to do that. No, don't just write down what you eat. Write down everything you do through the day to take care of your body. And then write down everything you do through the day to take care of your spirit. Are you spirit-oriented or are you body-oriented? Does what you do count for anything? Or does it count for eternity? Very difficult. It's not surprising then to me that they were so offended that they said, we're not going to follow you any longer. It's too hard. Today in the body of Christ, the church has said, okay, let's bring the world in. Let's be a part with it. And now, preacher, do your job and help us to be more successful in our flesh. After all, it's about living a happy life in the flesh. No, it's not. It's about walking into righteousness and getting in line with God. So tonight I want to ask you, who are you in line with? Are you in line with God? Are you marching to Zion? Or are you out on a flesh recess? Look with me in Hebrews Hebrews, uh, read carefully the third and fourth chapters. We'll begin with, with verse 1. This is Hebrews, the third chapter, verse 1. Therefore, holy brothers who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus. That's a probably a little more articulate way of saying get in line. That's what he's really saying. Fix your thoughts on Jesus, the apostle and high priest whom we confess. Then look at verse 7. So as the Holy Spirit says, Today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the desert where your fathers tested and tried me and for 40 years saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation. And I said, their hearts are always going astray. That's a more articulate way of saying they're always running out to go on recess. They've not known my ways. Do you want to learn God's ways? There's a real simple way to do it. As the Holy Spirit prompts you to do something, just say yes and do it. He always starts with little things. Now drop that Coke. Now, some of you can drink Coke. It's not a problem. But some of you, the Holy Spirit has said, leave the Coke alone. Some of you, he said... Leave the ice cream alone. I mean, I was told in seminary by a dear professor, if you want to preach the word of God with any authority or any power, leave sugar alone. I said, right over my dead body. I like my ice cream. I'm going to have it. It's not going to keep me from preaching. You know, the Holy Spirit has said to me, leave the sugar alone, Ray. Yes, sir. That's it. When he says you may have it, I can have it. When he doesn't say I can have it, I don't ask him. It all starts with little things, little acts of obedience. Go and talk with that person about Jesus. Yes. I'll go talk, but I'm going to be embarrassed. No, go talk to him. Always it begins with little steps. Don't wear that outfit. Don't wear that whatever it is. Be humble before God. Stop setting yourself up as a person of Authority. To me, he said, "Drop all sense of self-importance." And I went, "Who me? I'm not important. Why would you say that to me?" Nothing. Well, oh, I found out why. Because I was exuding self-importance. That love of the flesh. He said, drop, drop all sin." So that means when Jan and I have a conversation, I don't expect automatically I'm going to win. When I talk to another person, I don't approach them from the position, I'm right and you're wrong. When I see somebody do something that I disagree with, I don't have the right in my heart to say, you idiot. When somebody drives down the road ahead of me in a manner that I think is very foolish, I don't have a right to honk my horn. I have a right to ease back and say, please go ahead of me. You have the right of way. Why? Because an unimportant person doesn't get the right of way. Do you like that? I don't like that. That's why I want to be important. <laughs> I'll never forget. I went to a camp meeting one summer and I was the, I was the star speaker for the young people. And they gave me a pass. And on the pass, it said VIP dinner pass. You know what that meant? That meant I get to go into the cafeteria, get any food I want, and then go to a special dining hall that is upgraded. And I get to sit with all the important people. So I was sitting in this very important place, feeling my great importance. And the pastor, who was the keynote speaker, who happened to be internationally known, and a dear friend of mine, H.S. Richards. Guess where he was sitting? Out was a common table with some kids. That night I took my dear brother pastor for a boat ride after the meetings were all finished. And I said, I saw where you were sitting for lunch. You didn't go to the VIP lunchroom. He said, Ray, do you think heaven's going to have a VIP lunchroom? (laughs) He said, when they sent me that card, I sent it back to them and said, I think you sent this to the wrong person. Now, this was a man of great stature, a national radio broadcast, internationally known, A speaker in great demand. And here's this young whippersnapper of a pastor. Glorying in being able to sit in the room with the VIP pass. Very important person for those of you who haven't figured out what VIP means. Are you getting this? I'm not an important person at all. But I serve a person who's very important. His name is Jesus. And he's asked me to give up all sense of self-importance and to humble my heart before my brothers and sisters and say, you know, I really don't know what I'm doing. I just have to trust that Jesus will keep telling me what to preach and where to go and what to do. I really don't know how to put my left foot ahead of my right foot. I really don't know my left hand from my right hand. All I know how to do is stay in line and talk to Jesus. Do you know what rest there is in that place? Where I don't have to pretend anymore. I don't have to fight anymore for my place I remember when we were staying in Baltimore, they had two Rotties, Arnie and Christy. Arnie had his rug, Christy had her rug. That was their place. And their master would sometimes say, place. And the dogs were to immediately go to their place. Unfortunately, Christy liked to get to Arnie's first. So Arnie would come to get in his place, and Christy would be in his place. And he'd growl at her. Get out of my place! And if she wouldn't, he'd get his nose down and he'd snort her. And he was 150 pounds. She moved. Well, you know what? It's really comforting to have my place. Whether it's the chair I always sit in at church. Or or where it's where I sit down in my prayer room. Or where it's emotionally where I stay because I know I'm safe there and I can control what happens there and I'm in charge there. And the Lord is saying to me give up your place, get in line. Your place is with me from now on. And that will be your only place from now on. So there's a house over on 705 Harborside Street. It's not my place. There's a church called the National Prayer Chapel. It's not my place. I'm there. I go there. I serve there. After the meeting tonight, I'll go sleep in the bed if the Lord will allow me to do that. It's not my place. The Lord said, drop all sense of self-importance. That means giving up my place. And my place now is in Jesus, lined up with him that's called in scripture a place of rest that's entering into the rest of god now it's clear that they were not able to enter that place of god and and i read for you now why in chapter 3 verse 12 see to it brothers that none of you has a sinful unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness we've come to share in Christ if we firmly hold firmly till the end the confidence we had at first So today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned whose bodies fell in the desert? Have you ever wondered how Moses got through all those funerals? (laughs) It was almost a full-time job just to bury these people out in the desert. And why were they dying? Because they refused to enter the rest of God. They insisted on keeping their place. And they could not enter Cana land as long as they were in their place. As long as they defended their territory. As long as flesh counted more than spirit They could not enter into that place of rest. To whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. Unbelief and disobedience are the same thing. To God, unbelief and disobedience Are the same. One is the heart and one is the action. But it all flows out of a person's self importance and a person's absolute refusal to allow their heart to be softened to go get in line with God. And tonight, my plea to you is don't let your heart get hard so that you won't line up with God? I mean, when that teacher had me in that room and said, Raymond, you cannot go to recess until you learn your times tables. The teacher made a very grave mistake. The teacher challenged my pride. And I said, never will I bend. Never will I break. Never. But Ray made the biggest mistake. Because he hurt himself all the rest of his life. By not simply memorizing his timetables. Because he was proud. And because he wouldn't be pushed. And because nobody had the right to tell me what to do. So tonight I don't come as somebody trying to tell you what to do. I come rather as a nobody, humbly saying to you, please, 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 don't harden your heart against the voice of God. Don't put your, your ankle spurs down into the ground and say, this is where I am and I will not be moved there's sometimes when we have to do that but we need to make sure when we do that it's for the truth and not for a lie yes. we have to know that that's for the kingdom of heaven and not for the kingdom of hell it's so easy for me to have a spirit rise up in my heart that says you think you're tough i'll die before i give are any of you like this No, I knew you weren't. I'll bleed to death, but I won't do it. That's been a part of my heart from the time I was a child. Until finally I said, okay, Dad, you can beat me with a razor strap, but I'm not going to cry. We have this ability to absolutely harden our heart and say, and I'm saying tonight, please don't harden your heart. Don't harden your heart against Jesus. You hear the whistle? Get in line with Jesus. Don't harden your heart against him and say, all right, you can throw me in hell, but I'm going to do it my way. That's such a hard, arrogant position. And you're, and Jesus will suffer if you take that position. But you will suffer more. Yes. My dad used to say to me, Raymond, stop cutting off your nose to spite your face. Now, I never figured out what that meant. But it meant something like this. For your pride, you're taking a position that in the end will cause you to lose. And he was really saying, Ray, don't do that. Because I don't want you to lose. I want you to be blessed. I want you to prosper. I want you to be of the presence of God. I don't want you to walk in darkness, in rebellion. And so tonight, this very merciful and kind word comes to us. Saying, don't harden your heart. Get in line with God. Take those simple steps of obedience that he's asking you to take. Just do it. It won't kill you. And I see some of you don't even want to look at me tonight. You're so, I know why. You don't like what I'm saying. Don't harden your heart. Don't harden your heart. Today, if you hear his voice... Do not harden your heart. Verse 10 of chapter 4. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. So tonight, Jesus is saying to the National Prayer Chapel, make every effort to get in line with Jesus. Don't let your heart, your heart be hardened by deceitful desires. Don't let your heart be hardened by rebellion. Don't let your heart be hardened by the, the wild games of a recess the shouting and the screaming, but instead come and get in line with God. Don't harden your heart against him. Now there's a a nugget of truth here I want to spend just a moment on. Chapter 4, verse 2. For we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did but the message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard did not combine it with faith. Now, keep your finger there and go to the 11th chapter, verse 1. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. What do I hope for tonight? I hope for holiness. I hope for righteousness. I hope to be totally in line with the almighty God. But hope is not enough. I have to put faith to work. By faith, I know that Jesus is now making me righteous. By faith, I know he's changing my rebellious and hard heart. By faith, I know that he is going to carry me all the way through. By faith, I know. Do I still get stubborn of heart? Yes, I still do. I wish I didn't, but I still do. Will I always? No, I will not. By faith, Jesus said to me, drop all sense of self-importance. By faith, all self-importance is laid down. And I no longer walk in its foolishness. By faith, I'm in line with Almighty God. I'm trusting him to do all the work. My job. Is in repentance and rest is my salvation. So I repent when I see myself acting like I'm somebody. I repent and I enter back into the rest. I get in line with God and I say, by faith, I no longer will walk in this. By faith, I'm being redeemed. By faith, I'm being sanctified by faith. Even the very root of sin is being taken from my heart. And that's a place of complete rest. That's rest. Tonight, are you in recess? And you hear the whistle blowing? And you're trying to dig stuff out of your ears so you can hear the voice of Jesus. Some of you say to me, I don't hear Jesus speak. Well, it's because you're yelling too loud. You're not in line. You're on recess. How do you change that? By faith, I'm in line with you, Jesus. By faith, I hear your voice. By faith, I'll obey you. By faith, I know you're going to save me. By faith, Jesus, I trust you. My hands are lifted up and I repent before you in dust and ashes. And I seek your face with all my heart. Now you're at rest again. What a glorious place to just rest in Jesus. To trust him. Thank you, Lord. Your mercy is so great. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress, brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. God bless you. We love you. Precious Lord,
1: take my hand.
2: Lead me on, let me stand, I am tired, I am weak, I the night. Lead me on to the light. Take my hand. Precious Lord.